full disclosure, I should not be recording this podcast episode right now in my current mental state. I have a hangover. I'm sitting here on my desk. I'm clutching a uh, mug of coffee like my life depends on it. Uh, my elbows resting on the desk. My face is literally leaning up against this vintage microphone that I use to record these daily Guinness episodes. Uh, and I am I'm trying to decide if I'm regretting last night or not. I don't. I don't, I don't think I am uh, because. I don't get I don't get hangovers very often because I why don't I because I do I I feel like I'm good at self regulating but when I do typically it's only because of conversation um, I find myself at a dining room table somewhere either mine or somebody else's and the conversation just is so good and it's so long that I f- forget how much I'm drinking and I maybe, or maybe I, maybe even just subconsciously, I don't want the, uh, I don't want the conversation to end. Last night, uh, was one of those nights. My buddy Andre, uh, came over and I am building him a tour rig for his keyboards. And afterwards, uh, we sat down at our dining room table here and Sarah made us all cocktails. Sarah at some point, uh, goes to bed and Andre and I stay up way too late having great, what I, what I remember was great conversation. Uh, and I, the, the whiskey just kept being poured. So no, looking back on it, I don't regret it. I'm just paying the price. This is the price for good conversation. Um, where am I going with this? Oh yeah. So I was thinking about it this morning and I'm thinking about, uh, damn my self-regulation last night. I'm usually good at that. Knowing my limits, regulating myself, regulating my intake of it. I found myself thinking about uh, the last daily Guinness episode I put out that was uh, called commas and periods or something like that. Talking about how uh, in our journeys in life and in this, in that sake, I was just, I was talking about the creative journey. Um, shit is going to happen. Like we're going to have uh, things not work out. We're going to have no's happen. We're going to have doors slammed in our faces in life. And it's our choice to decide if that is going to be a, a comma or a period in our creative journey or life journey, or however you translate to that to whatever you, uh, you're going through right now. I was thinking today, I was thinking about self-regulating. I was thinking about, man, uh, what meant, I, I find that when I, come, when I come up against something, like uh, shit happens to me, something frustrating, I mean, I'm getting told no, things aren't working out like I'm hoping they are in life or whatever it is. I find that my, my mental state, like where I am, like my confidence and my outlook on life, like what's going on inside my head at that time before that even happened really does play the, the determining factor on how I translate what happened to me. This audio clip that I'm going to share with you by Andrew Huberman is actually kind of where I learned that a lot of my mental things that I, my mental state is really controlled by my management of dopamine. Like a good example for me is, man, I am, I, I'm really shit at managing um, my social media intake. 
Like if left to my own devices, doom scrolling is a natural just habit for me. I could just, first thing in the morning, my natural instinct is to grab my phone, pull up Instagram and just give that thumb a workout. <laughs> and same thing at, uh, at night. Um, just the last thing where I'm laying in bed, Sarah's falling asleep and I just thumb workout scrolling up and down just into the pointless void of Instagram. And I have recognized that that's super bad for me, my mental states. And I get, if I am like just, if, if doom scrolling is a, a large part of my day, if I'm not regulating how much time I'm on social media, it really affects me mentally. And this, uh, and I did. I just didn't have language for why. I just knew. Okay, I got. I need to take breaks from social media. But this talk in this clip actually gave language to what I was dealing with. I want to share it with you today. So this is Doctor Andrew. Doctor Andrew. Doctor. Okay, I got to wrap this up. This is Doctor Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist and tenured professor in the Department of Neurobiology at Stanford University School of Medicine. I first discovered him because he was on the Tim Ferriss uh, podcast. But if you click the link below, wherever you're listening to this, in the show notes below, I'm going to on the web page for this episode. I'm going to put a bunch of links of where you can go to listen to longer conversations with him because I think he's brilliant. Uh, a few of my favorite podcast conversations for you to check out if you're interested. And I'll put, even put a link to uh, where I got this audio from. So enough of my rambling. <laughs> I need to go lay down. One of the most important findings in the last few years in neuroscience is that while the molecule dopamine is associated with reward, it's more about motivation and craving. There's a really classic experiment now that people use to uh, demonstrate this. You take two rats and the rats independently, separate cages, can lever press for food uh, or and they can access food. There's a little bit of dopamine that's released anytime they get some food. So we always thought that food, uh, like many other rewards, uh, like food, sex, warmth when you're cold, cool when you're too warm is triggering the release of dopamine. But someone had the good idea to deplete dopamine in one of those animals. And then what you find is that the animal without dopamine still enjoys food, still enjoys other pleasures. So dopamine's not really involved in the enjoyment of those pleasures, it's involved in motivation because if you make the animal have to move just one rat's length believe it or not, to get to that lever, the animal with dopamine will work to go get that thing. It will work through some effort to go get the reward. Whereas the animal, or it turns out the human without much dopamine, can still experience pleasure. They can sit on their couch and cram their face with pleasure-inducing calories or what have you, watch pleasure-inducing things on the television, but they have very little motivation to go pursue things that will deliver them pleasure. It's actually what's really driven the forward evolution of our, our species has been the desire to go seek things beyond the confines of our skin. And when I say the common currency is dopamine, what I mean is the molecule dopamine, when secreted in the brain, makes us pursue things, build things, create things, makes us want new things that we don't currently already have. And so it has a lot of dimensions to it, but rather than think about dopamine as a signal for reward, like a dopamine hit, we classically mm. think talk about it, it's more accurate really to think about dopamine as driving motivation and craving to go seek rewards, that's the rat experiment, 
and it's a way of tabulating where we are in our life. Are we doing well or are we doing poorly? And that happens on very short time scales. Like do you wake up feeling good or do you wake up feeling kind of low? Or on long time scales, if you're halfway through a long degree or you're halfway through your life, how are you doing? How do you gauge that? Well, it has everything to do with how much dopamine you were releasing in the previous days and weeks and years. So you're always comparing it and all of this is subconscious. But what's cool is that once you make these processes conscious, once you understand a little bit about how dopamine is released and how it changes our perspective and our behavior, then you can actually work with it. And so we go back to this example of the person that's not motivated, that can't get off the couch, that doesn't want to do anything. Well, this is the problem. They are effectively the rat with no dopamine, but they can still achieve some sense of pleasure by consuming excess calories, by consuming social media. And look, I'm not judging. I do this stuff too, right? Scrolling social media. If you've ever scrolled social media and you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. It doesn't really feel that good. And I can remember a time where you'd see something that was just so cool or you'd see something online. I remember this when TED Talks first came out. I was like, this is amazing. Mm. These are some, you know, at least some of them are really smart people sharing really cool insights. And then now that they're like a gazillion TED Talks, I remember spending a winter in my office at, when I was a junior professor, cleaning my office finally, and binging TED Talks in the background, thinking this is a good use of my time. Pretty soon, they all sucked to me. <laughs> I was like, this isn't good. So what you need to do is stop watching TED Talks for a while, wait, and then they become interesting again. And that's this pain-pleasure balance. And so for people that aren't feeling motivated, the problem is they're not motivated, but they're getting just enough or excess sustenance so they're getting the little mild hits of opioid, it becomes an opioid system. And if you think about the opioid drugs as opposed to dopaminergic drugs, dopaminergic drugs make people rabid for everything. You know, Drugs of abuse like cocaine and amphetamine make people incredibly outward directed. Right? They hardly notice anything except what they want more of, more, 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 more. It's very, it's bad because those drugs trigger so much dopamine release that they become the reward. It's very circular. The, only the drug can give that much dopamine. Nothing they could pursue would give them as much dopamine as the drug itself. Mm. So there's that. And then there's the kind of opioid-like effects of constantly indulging oneself with social media or with video games or with, uh, with food or with anything to the point where it no longer evokes the motivation and craving. And this is really the new evolution of the understanding of, of dopamine in, neuro, in neuroscience, which is that dopamine itself is not the reward. It's the buildup to the reward. And the reward has more of a kind of opioid bliss-like property, which itself is not bad if it's endogenous, released from within. But when we can just sit there like the, like the rat with no dopamine, gorging ourselves with pleasures, so to speak, what you end up with is somebody that feels really unmotivated and those pleasures no longer work to tickle those feel-good circuits. And so there's no reason for them to go out and pursue anything. The problem is not pleasures. The problem is that pleasure experienced without prior requirement for pursuit is terrible for us. It's terrible for us as individuals. It's terrible for us as, as groups. And I, I have great confidence in the human species to work this out. But we are finding now, and we are going to increasingly find that those who will be successful, young or old, are going to be those people who can create their own internal buffers. They're going to be able to control their relationship to pleasures because the proximity to pleasures and the availability is the problem. If you look at the increase in uh, use of uh, drugs of abuse or prescription medication, which at least at the first pass deliver pleasure, pain relief, the whole issue with the opioid crisis and, and dopaminergic drugs like Ritalin, Adderall, 
you know, there is sometimes is a clinical need, but tons of people are taking those recreationally now or to study. Huge dopamine increases are what those cause. That is a problem. That's a serious problem because it creates a cycle where you you need more of that specific thing. I would say addiction is a progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. God, that's such a good definition. And you know, and I don't like to comment too much on enlightenment because you know I don't really know what that is as a neurobiologist. But a good life, we could say, is a progressive expansion of the things that bring you pleasure. And even better, is a good life is a progressive expansion of the things that bring you pleasure and includes pleasure through motivation and hard work. And understanding this pain pleasure balance, whereby if you experience pain and you can continue to be in that friction and, and exert effort the rewards are that much greater when they arrive. And so I think that if you look at any drug of abuse or any situation where somebody isn't motivated or thinks, now they may have clinically diagnosed attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but a lot of what people think is ADHD, it turns out, is people just over-consuming dopamine from various sources. And then, and also the context within a, a TikTok feed is the context switch is insane. The brain has never seen, first of all, this is the first time in human evolution that we wrote with our thumbs, but that's a pretty benign shift. And then the other shift is normally you walk from one room to another or from a field into the trees or from a hut into, or a house or whatever it is. But now you can get 10,000 context switches in that 30 minutes of scrolling on Instagram or TikTok. And so it's all about self-regulation. We are going to select for the people that can self-regulate. And so then people say, well, how do you self-regulate? How do kids self-regulate? Well, this is my hope. And one of the reasons I've gotten excited about public education and teaching neuroscience is that this is a place where knowledge of knowledge actually can allow oneself to intervene. When you think I'm feeling low, I don't feel good. Nothing really feels like good. Am I depressed? Maybe, but maybe you're just, you've saturated the dopamine circuits. You're now in the pain part of things. What do you do? Well, you have to stop. You need, you need to replenish dopamine. You need to stop engaging with this behavior and then your pleasure for it will come back. But you have to constantly control the hinge. It's not just about being back and forth on the seesaw. You have to make sure the hinge doesn't get stuck in pain or in pleasure. Understanding that pain and pleasure are in this really dynamic balance can also help us which in the following way. Any pain that you feel, the longer day, the less sleep, the, the kind of agony that things aren't working, that power outlet doesn't work, or the internet is slow, whatever it is, the amount of pleasure that you will eventually experience is directly rela related, excuse me, to how much pain you experience. So we know this from actually what nowadays would be considered quite barbaric and unethical experiments where they would give people electrical shocks and they would measure their response. And then they'd say, we're gonna increase it, we're gonna increase it. Eventually they get to the point where a slight a shock that was previously very painful actually evokes a sense of pleasure. <laughs> Now, you couldn't do these experiments anymore. These are not the experiments I do in my lab. These are older experiments. But for instance, uh, and this has been discussed in scientific research papers, uh, giving somebody a, like a 10-minute ice bath, for instance, or even a three-minute ice bath, or a one-minute ice bath is quite painful. But there was a study from the University of Prague, a European Journal of Physiology, showed that after a painful ice bath stimulus, the amount of dopamine release goes up for two and a half hours to 250% above baseline. And that's not because the ice bath itself evokes dopamine release. A lot of people think, oh, cold water evokes dopamine release. No, pain evokes <laughs> dopamine release after the pain is over. Just understanding the more friction and pain that you experience, the greater the dopamine reward you will get later. And that serves as its own amplifier of the whole process of pursuing more dopamine. 
So the, the keys are to pursue rewards, but understand that the pursuit is actually the reward if you want to have repeated wins. Then what you realize is your capacity to tap into dopamine as a motivator, not just seeking dopamine rewards, that is infinite. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations recorded all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it, but he won't budge. So that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy. 